Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most influential and listened to podcast in auto detailing. Welcome to the community. Hi, welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast. I'm Marshall. That's Nick. You can find us at hypercleanstore.com. Go check out the products there or go to the Hyperclean Specialist Group. Great place to chat with Nick. Great place to chat with me and others inside of the community. A lot of great info being passed on around there. All right, Nick, I am finally finishing up. I had it the other day, but this is my finish of State Champ. Listen, it was so good. I had to save it just so you could experience me enjoying it for one more episode so that I knew it would brighten your day. All right, let's do some buy and sell. Why don't you go ahead? All right, well, I have to sell this week. Haven't I don't think I've sold in a little while. We got to start talking about punishment. And we got to start talking about punishment for people who park literally right on your ass in the parking lot when you're in the back of the parking lot. So I'm driving my family SUV, have to go to the store, got one of my kids with me. Enjoyable Sunday, no problem. I pull in this spot specifically because it's like a mile walk to the store. There's a million spots around me. And somebody comes up with their brand new car and parks literally right on my tailgate. Now, I look around and there's 10,000 spots they could pull into. So to pull right up on my tailgate to the point where I have to get, when I, when I come out of the store to get something in that tailgate, I have to actually pull the car forward. Now, I'm not here complaining. I'm here saying we all need to take a vote of what a legitimate punishment should be. Should I kick a door in? Should I key it? Should I smash the windshield? A little extreme. A little extreme. Well, it's not extreme if there's 10. I mean, we got to start giving punishments, Marty. How do people learn if you don't kick a door? If you don't key a car? What's the, I mean, pop a tire. I mean, you got to give me something. Cause I come out and I go, I'm walking and you know, you got a lot, you got a while to walk and I got a little time and I'm going, that's not what I think I'm seeing. Literally. If they just pull one spot over, they're not on my tailgate. All right. It's still kind of like, why are you out here right next to me? But Hey, at least I don't have to pull. So, I mean, I'm selling the behavior, but I'm as- actually asking, we just got to come up with a punishment system. That way, when the guy walks out, he's like, oh, yeah, I kind of screwed up. And then he just doesn't do it again. But this guy's going to continue to do it with no punishment. Listen, I think I, there's I mean, got to be duckies involved somehow. Somehow no, there's got to be what's got to be involved is I really gave it some thought for the first time in a while, like, should I just kick his passenger door in? You know, should I, should I just, like, send a message here? New car, nice car. I'm thinking to myself. Maybe and I accidentally drop the tailgate on it. You know, just let the tailgate fall. I mean, uh, let, I'm let just like, I'm, th- I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, then I get in my driver's seat and I legitimately for like 10 minutes kind of sit there and go, what should I do here? Because something should happen here. Like, do you leave a note saying, hey, you're a jackass? I mean, what do you do? But I think there should be some type of punishment here because I'm parking out there for a specific reason. I'm not one of the jack wagons driving around trying to find the closest spot clogging up the parking lot. I park like a gentleman. I was in my lane. I was in, you know, I was in my spot. You know, I actually was in a place where I could pull over a little bit. So somebody couldn't door ding me. I mean, I did all the right things. And then this jabroni pulls this move. I just think at this point I should be able to do something like, 
and, and what cop is going to arrest me? So I, I got a buddy who's a cop, and I text him. I said, if I kick this door in, you think I'd get in trouble? He's like, I probably wouldn't have texted me about it and then done it. I was like, but he goes, no, I get it, man. He goes, oh, but he's like, yeah, I, I, I probably would do something. I didn't end up doing anything, but I'm at the point where I, I, I got to say to everybody, if, if we don't teach them, how are they going to learn? Well, so did you teach your daughter what to do? That's the next question we want to know, right? Like <laughs> she get, she gave me the whole dad. Why are you what? Why are you so angry? You know, I was like, it's just what are you doing? And then you know, she picks up on my mannerisms, and the problem is she may repeat some of those things when I'm not at the house. So you got to be. I'm learning very quickly that eh, I can't really say everything I want to say. So I'm just thinking to myself, like, how do we get here? And how do you not have the common sense to realize somebody's parked out here so you won't get near them? Like, how how is the parking lot such a confusing place for so many Americans? If you want to realize what people always talk about, you know how I know what's wrong with the country? The parking lot is what tells me is what's wrong with the country. The parking lot. How people handle their carts, how people park, how people don't want to walk, how people – it's like – all wrapped up in the one, I can see the problems with America, intelligence level. I mean, whatever. My 80-year-old frosty mom was one of those. We walked out the <laughs> other day from a soccer game, and she was literally sideways in the parking. But she was like, listen, I'm in. I'm in my lines. And I'm like, I don't know how the hell you're going to get out of the lines. Like, Because she was yeah. literally came in when there was another car there. And so she was sideways in these lines somehow. Hey, I think overall, I'm mostly curious. Kudos to you for for doing the daddy daughter going to the store on a Sunday. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Have you gotten the? But dad, why are we parking way out here? Have you gotten that yet? Well, my daughter does ask that, but I always just explain to her. I said, "Hey, you don't want you want to keep your car nice. You know, does our car look nicer than everyone else's? Because she actually picks apart people's cars. Because I always like nice. point out stuff like, look how nice. dirty that car is. She's like, yeah, what are they doing? And I'm like, I don't know. And and so she kind of gets it. Look, as you know, your significant other doesn't get it at Never. You know, 30, 40 years old. But your three-year-old picks up on, hey, you don't want door dings. You don't want this. You know, I'll show her marks on cars. Like just stuff, you know, just goofing off. But here's the crazy part. She's actually enthused to walk. You know, she's, she's now walking on her own. She's happy to, you know, have some freedom to, hey, I'm going to walk. I get more grief from other people in my family rather than my three-year-old. So I, I just think the parking lot is such a travesty and how people do things. And actually, if I'm not mistaken, just so everybody knows, parking lot lines, you're actually supposed to park on the line is the original engineering of the parking lot. Did you know that? You're I supposed didn't. to put your tires on one of the line. And if, if the guy in the front does that and everybody puts their driver's tire on the line, everybody has a ton of room. You're not actually Ooh. supposed to park in between the lines. That's not how it was engineered. So all the way around, we've done this thing wrong. And this guy being out there, he should have had to take punch. I mean, maybe you keep like a, not a real bat, but like a foam bat you get to hit him with if he comes out. You know, something. We, we just need some type of punishment system so this stuff just comes to an end. Listen, I think By the way, this is the same parking lot that a DUI driver hit my family like three weeks ago. So I'm already on tilt walk going into the parking lot. It wasn't Trader Joe's. I know that. No, Trader Joe's is an even bigger mess out here. <laughs> <laughs> so don't get me started on Trader Joe's out here. 
Listen, dude, slice up duckies and just say, this is you if you do it again. Then you're good. That's what you ought to do. All right, I'm buying. You're right. We keep buying a lot, but I just couldn't help it. Uh, I'm buying that cooking that you do in the cold days. Cold cold weather cooking is just different. It's, most of the time it's chilly or something like that. Chilly, got I was going to say. We, we, we pulled the chili move. We pulled the chili Right. Move. Into chili. We had feijoada. Love that. But... Overall, for me, yesterday, and this was Sunday, was the Sunday morning breakfast sandwich. Oh, there I thought you were going to say pancakes. You're right. I know. Most people would go there. But I, I love to craft a breakfast sandwich. And I don't mean just throw some stuff together and put it up, right? Like, you got to do the toasted. So we did we did all, we did did all, a whole bunch of stuff in through it. So English muffin toasted. Now, the interesting part, though, was the cheese on that. wasn't just a normal cheese. We did this spreadable cheese that we brought back. Delicious. I don't know. It's crazy. It's so good. Uh, and then put bacon, of course. You got to put bacon. I did an avocado smash, right, with a little seasoning on it. Put some avocado in there. And then here's what you're getting a sample. Uh, I, gra- I chopped up some chili, some little peppers. Now, I sent them to you last week. They'll come this week. Just a little bit that I I brought back. They're still in the same Coke bottle, right? You're going to buy that stuff at a fair somewhere, right? They always put it in that little plastic Coke bottle. So I left those in there for you. They're not too hot. They're they're kind of like a mid-mild pepper, but you get a great flavor of the pepper. I mix those in my eggs, all crafted together. And listen, the breakfast crafted sandwich, oof. Yeah, man. It's hard to beat. Hard to beat. Yeah, it's more uh, been on a little uh, breakfast taco kick. Those are good. You know, if you ever go down to Texas, you know, they're big Mm -hmm. on the breakfast taco down there. I like a good breakfast sandwich. The problem is if the breakfast sandwich falls apart, I think it's a failure. So you got to get all the ratios proper, right? You can't have Mm -hmm. too many eggs, can't have too much sausage. You know, so even if you go to a place... You take that first bite and everything just kind of comes out of the sandwich. I'm like, ah, oh, bad sandwich, bad sandwich. Yeah, they did. They're a lot of times people use a scrambled egg and that'll that'll do it, or they'll yeah. whatever they do won't stick together. You're right. Like that's yeah. it's a reason for different. Think it you got to think it through. Yep, yep, <laughs> got to think it through. You're right. It's a craft, right? And you you craft yeah. it out. You're absolutely right. Okay, so other fun things, and this is you can't go anywhere. I sat down. A lot of us watched some football yesterday, great games, but most of us through the Midwest and most of us anywhere really kind of snowed in, in a sense. Kind of just, you got to hunker down and fun seeing then what people put out on social, right? That becomes oh, yeah. becomes even funner, right? That becomes literally a fun part of the day. And there's a lot of people, this is interesting, and a lot of people going through weather for the first time, going through into winter and what's going on. I found some found some really interesting questions and just some thoughts. Listen, we all know now in 2024, you don't use an ice scraper on your paint. And I'm surprised we don't see those posts. I haven't. But I'm curious, PPF, though, I guess you technically could. Could you go and just scrape down PPF with an ice scraper? And, hey, you know, the sun comes back out later and you're good, right? Because we have self-healing PPF. So go for it. Yeah, I, I uh, I wouldn't take that risk. I, I think you're exactly right. I mean, it seems like it would work, but remember, if you got an ice scraper and edge catches, you go ahead and, and puncture your PPF or it gets caught on something, it would kind of, I wouldn't say rip, but, you know, tear a little hole or grab a little edge. You know, I, I see a lot of people, you know, especially, you know, it becomes a safety issue. 
you know, you got a lot of snow on your car and you're driving down the freeway and you didn't, and there's some states that have a law that you, you can't drive around with all this snow on your car. Cause obviously you go down the freeway and it starts flying off, you know, so Which what's the, the best part, option? Right? Look, man, I, I don't think, I don't live in those environments. So people go into the specialist group. If you have a, a, a good, you know, I know if you have a coated car, the blower is the move, right? Just go ahead and, and get your, 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 uh, you, you know, your, your leaf blower out and, and just blow the snow off. That would be where I would take it. You know, personally me, I wouldn't do scraper. I wouldn't do broom. I wouldn't do mitt. I would, I, I just wouldn't knowing that I'm already kind of in, a problem time of year where I can cause damage to my car. I don't think I would add and even if I had any protection on it, PPF windshield films, you know, ceramic coating, I just probably use the leaf blower and, and try to knock the stuff off. All right. So let's go into that part. I, that's what I wanted to ask you next. What is, so right now, most people now it was snow. Now it's ice, right? You know, our streets are ice. Everybody's ice. I've got ice on the Jeep in the morning. Cause yeah, the Jeep is the one that sits outside. It is what it is. The Wagoneer gets the garage for some reason, right? Yeah. You know, makes but- sense. <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> the Jeep is outside. We can all, those of us that coat windshields, we can all see, which is always fun. You turn that defrost on, next thing you know, I mean, it's pretty quick. Once you yeah. got a coated windshield, it's pretty quick. What about windshield PPF, though? You install quite a bit of that. I mean, what is it like with ice or snow and windshield PPF? How, it, how, how does that go? It's, a, it's the same thing. You know, the only thing I ever did, and this is going back to when I did live in snow, I was just kind of the guy that, and I thought this is kind of what everybody did, but I guess it wasn't. You know, where I grew up, everybody just went, you know, when automatic starts came out, that changed everything because everybody mm-hmm. had an automatic start so you could just stay in the house and you'd, you know, turn the heat on, turn the defrost on when you stop the car. And that way, when you did the automatic start the next morning, it would just defrost and, and, and take down the ice on the windshield. That's what I would do. I mean, that's what I have done in my life is that if I wasn't really big on going outside and scraping. So even if I had to start the car, hell, before I got in the shower in the morning, I would start the car and just, you know, whatever I needed to do, I'd make sure that this thing was on full blast, hot and, and I was breaking the ice. If I had windshield film, I'd do the exact same thing. Again, that's where the leaf blower can get the big stuff off there. And then I would I would go ahead and hit the defroster on high. All right. So you can't scrape window film then? You 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 technically could, but remember abrasion is what's going to wear away just like ceramic coating and car, you know, brush car washes, just like anything, abrasion's your enemy. So you got a scraper you know, abrasion is going to be a problem. Now, will it damage the film? If your film's in good shape, probably not, but it will start to wear away at the top coat on that windshield film. Right. right let's so chase a little a- rabbit. Yeah. Let's chase a little rabbit about windshield film. So then what breaks it? What causes the problems? I'm, I've seen stuff where people are like, Hey, you know, I, people complain because they, they get maybe a little dust. Then maybe the windshield yeah. film, when they put it down, you know, we see the a bubbly intent. We can see that, or we can see yeah. some little things. Is that the same in window film or what, what complaints actually happen? What do you get? Uh, they're, they're endless because a lot of people, when being explained windshield film, I don't want to say they don't listen. I don't think that's the right. I don't think they grasp what it is. Windshield film is, is exactly what you should think of it as is, it's taken all the beating instead of your actual windshield. 
So we just had a customer call today. He's got one of those overlanding big sprinter vans that they take in the woods and, you know, they go camping, they go mountain biking. You know, this is like his, what he wants to do with his life, right? He wants to go on these trips and go see, uh, you know, uh, Yellowstone or Yosemite or, you know, what, and that's what he wants to do. And so we go to these backwooded areas and all that kind of stuff. And one of the things that, that, you know, he's gotten close to 40,000 miles out of one application of windshield film, which is pretty incredible for the beating that he's driven through. Wooded areas, back roads, bugs, dirt, rock chips, all of it's been prevented by windshield film. But he doesn't understand that it's a wear product, that it's supposed to look ugly after some wear and tear because instead of your windshield being damaged, the film takes the damage. It's the same thing you have with PPF. So let's say somebody gets a Porsche 911 that they drive really hard, maybe do a couple track days, but it's the first car they've had PPF. They don't have the mindset that that PPF's on there. So the PPF gets damaged, you rip it off, you put a new piece on. That's the mindset that a lot of people don't have with film in general. The film is supposed to take the damage and then you're supposed to tear it off and put, but somebody thinks I spent, $800 $800 on windshield film, it's supposed to last me the rest of the life of the, of the vehicle. If I bought, you know, a $3,500 PPF package, I never have to do anything again. It's the same people, uh, the same thing we all experience in ceramic coating, right? It's not a set it and forget it product. Film's not a set it and forget it. Hell, for most people, tint's not set it and forget it, right? I mean, a lot of people don't understand that if you don't clean your tent, then you go in with something harsh, you can screw up the tent. So just keep the tent clean, right? Because if you have to go in some with something harsh, something with really heavy ammonia-based cleaner, you could damage your tent, right? And it, it, there's something weird that goes on with customers around film. Tent, PPF, windshield film. It's as if, doesn't matter how well you explain it, how clearly you explain it, they don't realize, especially on the exterior of your car, everything you're putting on your car is a wear product right? It's meant to protect the thing underneath it. So ceramic coating can even be said like this. It's a wear product. You want the ceramic coating to take all the beating, then give it a light polish, put some more ceramic coating on, and your clear coat's in in great shape. But that mindset that we all have that are in the film business, the coating business, the detailing business, doesn't really translate a lot of times to the consumer. They don't understand that this stuff is meant to wear and tear on so your paint, your windshield, your interior doesn't take all the wear and tear, right? And that, that's just a big misconception. Uh, so wear and tear, that happens from, you know, things like dragging your power washer hose across the hood, right? <laughs> yeah, I saw, I saw this. This is, <laughs> this is a wild one. There's a couple of those that got a little wild. Now, the other interesting parts where you find people that go, hey, you know, I, I, I've just sprayed this onto a screen. And hey, I've I've damaged the screen, or hey, I've done this. Like, I feel for anybody that gets into an interior with today's technology, the amount of things that are going on in interior, something you and I talk about heavily. But you got people now suddenly hyper focused on interiors and they're trying to get stuff done, get them out. I guess I don't know. They're using whatever they can to clean everything. I feel for people because. I know I damaged early on, I damaged a, a plexiglass, right? That's what it used to be for, you know, around the, <coughs> apologies, excuse me, around, you know, the, the instrument panel, 
I, you know, I sprayed an APC and got those those marks. But imagine these guys that are just starting, starting to get into clean, and we feel for them. Like, but these are incredible screens, Navi screens, the technology that's going into today's vehicles, yeah. and they're going, "Hey, what do I use?" And I'm, I literally photos of people on site showing that yeah. they up somebody's stuff, and they're going, "Hey, how this happened? What do I need to use?" I'm like. Yeah. Oh my word. Oh my word. I mean, yeah, it's, have it's, screens it's, it's and has all run. that stuff changed? I mean, what's what's been that progression through the years? Yeah, screens are way more durable now. I mean, so if you're scre screwing up a screen now, imagine what you would have done when screens were a lot softer material. You know, when when you know, you got into a Range Rover, I'd say 2015, you know, to 2017, those screens had a much softer protective coat. To the point that if you were in heat like Vegas, if that soft material heated up and you took a detail brush, even even a soft one at the time, which isn't as soft as we have now, you put any pressure down, you could leave scratches. I mean, it was a soft material. And so to damage what we have now, which is basically like a form of Gorilla Glass, you've really used something pretty harsh. I mean, or you've sprayed it directly on when it's a billion degrees or you, you've done something, right? You've done well, something that's of, really adverse. Speaking of harsh, we joke about this, but it is true. Uh, you know, I said it recently. We'll have this uh, carpet system coming out. I put it on that video. Like people say, hey, it's okay to go down a bar degreaser and dilute it 20 to 1. Like, no, no it's, it's not okay not, to use a degreaser. And, and by the way, that's not what's in carpet cleaners. I mean, it, that's just not the base of a carpet cleaner, not even at your house, not at a commercial building, not, not anywhere. Right. And so you get into a confined space, you know, you do something like that in somebody's living room. That's a thousand square feet. You do it in a little area. Now confine that down to a couple feet, you know, foot and a half, two feet on a tiny little carpet. It's a big problem. So if they don't do this at the commercial level, and most carpet cleaning is going to pure steam at the commercial level. Like they're trying to find every way to take chemicals out of those companies. Just, just for reference. These are people that clean millions of feet of carpet a year are trying to put whole systems to clean your house that are nothing but steam cleaning. Like we have a few companies here that have blown up that it's like, we don't use chemicals. And it's not just a marketing ploy. You talk to the, I know some of the people that own these companies and they're like, dude, the stuff that can happen with chemical and I get guys out there working and I got 15 trucks on the road, like you could be replacing carpet every day. And we just see all of this bad information. Now there's a safe way. And I think one of the things you're going to get into on the carpet system is this oversaturation should be oh, removed from yeah. carpet cleaning. We're way past that from a technological standpoint. So all these people that are having, you know, the one that cracks me up still, it's just something I never ran into, is the pressure washing of the mats. As if that's going to just turn out like, hey, these are, these are like new again. I get why people do it. I understand there's some cars that that fits, you know, in the volume world. But you know those carpets are going to be crusty. I mean, I, I left carpets crusty early in my career. You did. We all know what it looks like when you see it. And, and, and so you, you, you think about this and you're exactly right is all of these things on an interior, 
And to just think I'm going to go down to this part store and I'm going to get all my, my stuff down there and I'm going to dilute it down. And when I dilute it down, it's going to be just like this other product. That's just not how chemistry works. It, it just isn't. And can you make an APC extremely safe? Yeah, you could dilute it down 10, 20 to 1. That doesn't mean it's a great carpet cleaner. It doesn't mean it doesn't come with adverse effects. It just means it's an APC that's diluted down and a tiny bit more safe than using it full strength. And there's applications for that. But if you think a carpet system is just APC in a bottle, it, that isn't true. That isn't true. That's not chemistry. <laughs> no, it's not. So the cold brings out also something in people that most of us don't talk about. Now, listen, I already said I'm the guy that's on the couch. I love being on the couch in the cold. I'm in. But not always, right? Before, I had to go work in the cold. When you go work in the cold, it can get heated pretty quick. I saw it. It was fun. Everybody has seen the guys out scraping. Well, when the scraper guy goes crazy and something flipped, and he starts hitting cars, and then the police come, and he's hitting the police car, that's when it gets really Really interesting, and those are the fun ones. It brings out a hate, not just in those guys and in that, but inside of when people are going, hey, uh, am I really supposed to be paying 1700 bucks for paint correction? Like, okay, this, this story is where it gets really fun because we recommend people do it, and this is where it was. It was in a group where you've got local car people and local detailers. Great spot for a each, unless... Somebody starts getting a little heated unless somebody's a little agitated. Maybe the detailer was needing too much because we've seen throughout regular people. Some people are like, hey, it's slow. What am I going to? Maybe it's slow for him. And he tried to heat this guy off for a, a big correction. You know, we, we don't know. It's just the fact that there's somebody in a group asking, is $1,700 too much for a paint correction? And he shows this photo of this like 2010 black. Uh, you know, like it, it was a a, 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 a a Tahoe is what it was. And, you know, so then you get inside this group, you get all these detailers that want to come in. All right. This is where it gets fun. You can imagine it's the, it's the guy going, oh man, you know, I can do it better and I can do it cheaper. There's a, Hey man, we'll hook you up. I love those yeah. guys. Right. Yeah. Come on down. I'll hook you up. Give me a call. Yeah. But Got really interesting when the guy that did it and quoted it starts chiming in. And the others are going, know your worth. What does this all show to the people that want their cars done? That, that's where I go. Like, you can bring out a lot of hate in people being cold. Maybe some people's finances aren't great because of the cold weather. I get it. What it brings out in people and, man, does it really show what we should be doing in this time? Like, the sickness of the industry scene where you got these people doing this is, it's just gross. Uh, I don't know what else to say. Yeah. I, I think that there's a, there's a thing about quoting people price that gets really tricky with the internet, especially if that person goes into a group that you're a part of or that you know a bunch of detailers are a part of this local car groups, you know, uh, you know, members. I think where I come out on it is this all starts with how many people said this sentence when that guy made the post, which is what did he quote you 
$1,700 to do. Paint correction's a broad term. So if you're an actual detailer trying to help somebody asking this question, the first thing you should say to yourself is, okay, I don't know if that's high or low. What if that was a low price for what he quoted the guy? What if he's talking about, hey, I'm going to do a three-step correction and I'm going to give you a five-year coding? That's probably, in most places, a low price, not a high price. Is it a high price for a quick enhancement and a one-year coding? Yeah, it is. But how many people ask the question, and this happens all the time in, in every industry, and it happens in our industry in spades as well. That's why I don't really recognize when a customer says, I went to so-and-so shop and they did this to my car. That's why my response has always been, I don't know them and I don't know what the deal you had with them. So why don't we just talk about your car, what you need fixed, why you want it fixed, what you need done. I just get off that topic. I'm not interested. I don't know what the conversation for, were, were two individuals in a room having a conversation that I wasn't involved in, right? So how many of those, and I'm guessing the number is zero, if there were 100 comments on this post by detailers, how many of those detailers say, what exactly were you quoted $1,700 to do? I'm guessing you had zero of those people say, Walk us through what you were quoted and why you were quoted it. And even if they did ask that, what's the odds the poster could have told them? So now you get into this weird world of, I can do it cheaper. I can do this. I'm a craftsman. I, I would charge it. And all of a sudden, nobody helped the guy. Nobody. Nobody educated the guy. Nobody got educated themselves. And so now you see the downfall of all of this, and there's no fixing it. Let's all be clear. There's no fixing this. This is just how people are going to be. And nobody ever just looks and goes, what did he quote you to do? That'd be like me saying, hey, somebody quoted me to do some remodel work and they, they want to charge me $250,000. Well, that sounds like a big number. What if that's to repipe and redo my entire house? Nick, I'll do it for $100,000. Just I'll hook right. you up, man. I'll hook you up. Right. But you have Listen, no idea. The hookup, the hookup that I recently seen, which we talked about, is you know I'm helping a guy that works with us get – he got in a wreck and getting some quotes and getting some things. And this guy that hit him wanted to go get a second quote. I looked at the quote. It was like almost $2,000 less than these other quotes. And I look at it and I go, oh, he shaved off over 26 hours, hours of labor. How'd that happen? Like crazy. Why, why does that happen? And I, I see this stuff in the groups and I go, how does it happen that we got people going, hey, I'll give it to you for, hey, I'll get, and go, ah, that's how it happens. It happens in the body shops. It happens in everything. Just overall, the industry of in cars, there's always going to be people, oh, you can get it for this. I'll do it for this. The industry of everything. It's the industry of everything. Ah, true. Good point. Grocery stores. I mean, again, we, we, have, we yeah. have a funny, we, we, we've been talking about the Walmart guy. Walmart's whole business is about doing it for less. You need a baby crib? You can go to this really nice store over here and get your baby crib here for 50%. It's basically the same thing. I mean, your baby's just going to sleep in there. You don't need the nice crib. Come to our place, save 50%. That's just the way of the world. But a lot of people just don't understand that. And they don't understand that with that discount comes some reality. And that's where the consumer gets burned. 
right? Like you are knowledgeable enough about cars that when you saw 26 hours being taken off the labor of our team members' body shop work, the red flag went off in your head. You go, this doesn't add up. Where are you going to cut 26 hours worth of work? Right? How many people would even know to look at that line item? Just like this guy going into a group and saying, is this quote correct? You didn't give us the quote. You didn't tell us what you were quoted for. You, don't, you didn't tell us what you talked to the detailer about. Then everybody in the group's not asking that question. It tells you what the consumer is. The consumer, for the most part, is looking at price and not value, right? Like, we're going to have to get our one of our cars fixed because, you know, we got uh, my family got into an accident. Our insurance company gave us this lowball offer. I couldn't even drive the car there for the price they were going to give us to work on the car. I was like, dude, my time's worth more than the whole thing, the estimate you gave us. So I go to a trusted body shop, and he goes, look, they're going to fight this. I said, well, we have an attorney. So I don't think they're going to fight it for long because we've already got an attorney involved, which, by the way, if you get in an accident, I'm here to tell you something. The best thing you can do is have an attorney that works in that world. There's a little I don't even pick up the phone. So as soon as we get in an accident, I call this attorney. He handles it. Wife, girlfriend, you don't ever talk to your insurance company. That To me, that's that's the best piece of advice I can give you. But you knew to look at the man hours and where that money could be shaved, which means his car is not going to be put back together in the proper manner. Many people just go, oh, this guy's going to do it for 50% less. I'm out of here. I'm going to go over there. Then they have a bad experience. Then they don't get treated well. Then, But they never go back to the original decision. Now, I don't know whether or not this was the right quote. I don't know if it was somebody trying to get over on somebody. Because guess what? I wasn't a part of the phone call. You weren't a part of the phone call, but you didn't chime in and start, you know, chopping the guy down and going, oh, I can do it for this. How do you know? What if the guy was repainting the whole car for $1,700? Now, all of a sudden, that's a real low quote. You don't, you don't know. And it's just people on the internet constantly making customers unaware of the fact that you have to understand what work you're asking for to know if it's a good price. I don't know. What were you quoted to do? And 99 out of 100 times, I guarantee you that customer couldn't have answered that question in that post. So every industry has it. You're right. And every industry would have then some snake oil and every industry is going to have some stuff. The, the interesting thing, though, is in our industry and when we start getting into more and more people as they progress, they begin to open their eyes to things, right? We, we see it that you and I talk about. People that have been in it for so long, you know, 20 something years, I start opening to others in the industry and the way people talk. You see it from people that are one year into it and their eyes start to open with, oh, yeah, these people actually are, you know, this, you know, these people are that. When, when people open their eyes and they start seeing, oh, wait, was this damage that, that I did? Was this damage that somebody else did? You know, having this moment of, wow, there's damage to a vehicle. Listen, we're going to put out, there's a, a video coming soon for us where we had cleaned a car. We realized after we were cleaning it, hey, these people had damaged the rims, you know, and, it, you know, <laughs> we didn't see it before. We go and wash the car and we go, wow, look at all this damage. Yep. Okay. Like 
Do you think, and this is a, this is a question as we move into something like, is that what holds people back at each level when they progress? Is it damaging cars? Cause you know, we'll put out, we talk about this video. Hey, somebody here would have damaged this wheel. Now it has to be replaced. Now we have to do that. Is that what sets a car owner back from using detailers? Is that what sets a, a detailer back from progressing their business? You think it's overall like damage, like damaging people's stuff? Yeah, I, I think that's a interesting question. I'm not sure. I know one thing. I've seen more plastics turn white on interiors in a month than I ever saw in my career in wholesale or dealership. I, I just never saw this. Now, materials have changed, but people using so-called safe interior cleaners from companies and going, oh, it turned the whole door panel chalk white. I don't remember that. I mean, I remember some some APC lines and some drip lines and some, I mean, but do you remember seeing entire door panels just destroyed? And to the point where you know for a fact this is pure replacement, I, I don't remember that. I think we've gotten into a weird world that you don't know what anybody's really using. I think it's really hard to damage something unless you're just kind of being irresponsible, which I've been in my career when I started. You know, it's just part of it. You, you just very quickly, you know, the guys and gals that are going to make it because they become more responsible when working on cars. This is like the funniest thing about paint correction in our industry now We've totally lost the word preservation. Now everybody just wants to hack away at paint. Oh, I want to learn to sand. I want to learn rotary. I want to learn. It's like, okay, man, paint's never been thinner. Paint's never probably been in some ways, not in all ways, a little less quality than it's ever been for a variety of reasons. Most, most of that is thickness, not the actual system itself. And people are just hacking away on cars. I mean, I, I see more burned paint from guys on DAs now where they like set, put a picture up and go, what could have happened here? I'm like, damn, this guy somehow burnt. How the hell did he burn that? Right? So does it hold people back? I, I think it only holds you back if you don't learn from it. Are they scared? I don't know, man. People seem to use some really strong stuff on cars. I don't know if people are scared. I, matter of fact, I don't know if people are scared enough. Because you start talking to to the companies like that we we talk to behind the scenes that have lots of employees, they're moving the safer route. As they grew, they're like, we're taking the risk out of our business. We're going to use something like TRX. We're going to use bug cleaner from HyperClean because of how it's formulated. We're not going to go with the most caustic bug cleaner. The risk isn't worth it. I actually think most beginners risk it too much if I had to give a piece of advice. Yeah. Yeah, a lot they do. You're right. So we we got to think what would continue to set somebody back, right? Like, I think this is a thing that people think about, especially when it's cold and they're sitting there. Many of us start to go, oh, I don't. And they go into this, like, negative mindset of things they're not doing or things they're not great at. It is part of the cold. Like, you, you start getting upset. You start getting down. Like, there's plenty of people that deal with this. So when we're thinking about what holds them back, what sets them back, we probably have a, a couple different things in it. There's different people inside the industry we want to kind of talk through. Like, let's think for a second with what holds back where we're seeing, we saw a massive 
massive amount of brick and mortar people over the past month make brick and mortar companies that that have a a store whether that's in a shopping center or a standalone suddenly vacate the industry right yeah. closing down they weren't selling these products anymore you saw a massive amount of that while you see others uh, conversations i'm having with people calling me going how do i get into brick and mortar you know then yeah. i talk to our brick and mortar distributors we're like Hey, how do we continue to keep growing your business? Like, yeah. what holds a brick and mortar type place back? I think it's always different at different times, you know, but I think right now what I see is a lack of uniqueness. There's no unique reason to go to your store, right? Uh, that's why we tell so many detailers and so many guys, and again, we're not talking to detailers because we don't get the calls or the emails or the DMs. I mean, we, there's a lot of detailers that want to add another part of their business. And so they look at products and they should. But there, there comes a point in time where I, I think what I see out of brick and mortar, and there's a bunch on the West Coast that do a really nice job, especially in California, where most of that stuff's really heavily populated. The stores that do great, they're really unique. They're holding their own trainings. They're, you know, they're building out product lines. They're, they're, you know, maybe outfitting cars and and or vans and trucks with detailing skids. And they got car enthusiasts at car shows at their facility, and they're unique in some way. The thing that's holding brick and mortar back right now, to me, if your website or your brick and mortar store is doing business like everyone else is doing it, I think you're doomed. If you're just carrying all the products that are available on Amazon or a warehouse type of store, you may not understand this, but that warehouse type of store is just barely holding on on the internet. You think you may think it's doing well, but and it, they're going to undercut you online anyway, right? We see that, which was like yeah. hilarious, right? Sixty yeah, percent. So, yeah. So here, here's the funny thing about all this is that everybody's allowed to do what they want, but when we have these conversations, I always ask the same thing: you're carrying stuff. Everything in your store is basically available on Amazon. So what you're saying is you'd rather compete with the world than compete with a couple people nearby. I wouldn't rather, I don't want to have 100, 200, 500, 1,000, 10,000 sellers to sell against. I'd rather just compete in my local market. And guess what? If I'm one of two detail supply places in my city, I only have to beat one other person. But if I, if I have everything that's available on Amazon in my store, I'm now competing against Amazon and then I'm competing against this website because you can bet that that's where they're getting all their ideas. Most of these online retailers, the thing people don't understand is that model's not real sure-footed sure either. We're not sure a lot of these people are going to make it. I mean, some of the things we're hearing behind the scenes are not so rosy uh, because it's difficult, but a brick and mortar to me has such a leg up. If you just ask yourself, how am I unique in my area? And how am I carrying things that maybe aren't so readily available through 50 different avenues on the internet? But I don't see that everybody sees it that way. No, and, you know, having more of a crafted type product does set and elevate yourself. But, hmm, but it does take some work from the owner, right? And this is... Talking to different people around the country, you you hear this, and this is what we say from the detailer, right? Like you hear from people that talk about if they're going to invest in something. Well, I I want to know who the jockey is instead of the horse, right? What does that mean? It means they want to know what the owner is going to be doing to bringing in 
the business. What does somebody in a brick and mortar store, if they don't want to carry the same stuff over? Listen, you mentioned training. I think there's a unique thing that that isn't commonly talked about, and it's probably would be uh, an actual massive benefit to help not only with training, but visually showing people how to use the products. And that's something you and I talked about. You brought up. It's like, hey, why don't some of these stores put an actual detail shop in their place, right? Like yeah. how you know that would be that that's an actually hmm, very interesting idea because a, we would get to see how to use this stuff. You would train people. You would actually begin to get people. And this is the part that when I talk to distributors about what we want to set up is coming in to show people and showcase how to use the products, how to yeah. actually have some cars that you're working on and have some good knowledge there's a lot of owners of these brick and mortar stores that they don't actually have the knowledge themselves. They don't do the work. So having yeah. a store, wow, how crazy is that, right? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I think if you had, even if it was just a one bay setup, you know, that, that you were constantly, I, I wouldn't say have a full-blown 10-car setup, but just having something you can stick one or two cars in, whether that's showing somebody how to use the product or you have an employee's car parked in there. So if somebody comes in the store, they don't understand how a wheel cleaner works or whatever. You can go show them. Uh, I think there's a variety of things that, and I I'm, I'm very bullish on the local retailer for detailing products. I'm not bullish on the way I see a lot of companies doing it, uh, but that's just my personal opinion. And it doesn't mean that I'm right. I just think there's a, an avenue to start thinking of these things differently. And, and, and the name of the game in the next, I, I would say at least the next five years in any business is going to be unique wins. If you're trying to do something exactly like someone else is doing it, it's very likely that you're not going to stay in business. And especially if you're competing with the internet, right? If you're competing with the internet and you're bringing nothing special and you're just doing everything that the internet providers are doing, you're going to get beat. You, you can't compete. You got usually a higher rent. You got, you know, all kinds of inventory that you've probably been sitting on for five years that you can't sell, that your money's tied up in. You can't move as swiftly as those people. So it's really important to be in business with the right people, which goes the same for a detailer, right? Like you got to have some unique behaviors and some unique things to you that makes you stand apart while also sticking to the basics, right? You're still selling a product if you own a retail store, but there's so many good young companies compared to just going out and getting this cheap older brand and going, well, you know, it's cheap and people want it. Okay, man, there's a ton of work around around that. And we, we've talked about it before, whether that's coming up with something yourself or working with something that somebody doesn't know about or whatever. I think being unique in your area is going to be the name of the game for the next five years at least, if not for the foreseeable future. All right. So you mentioned detailer. Hmm. Uniqueness as a detailer, I think a lot of people will go, okay, that's my name. That's the way I talk. You know, those are the things that will make me unique. Hmm. But is that really what we're talking about here, being unique? Maybe it's, hey, the, the way I clean a car, that's unique because it's mine. It's, it's, I don't know. I'm thinking detailer. I'm thinking uniqueness. Hmm. Might be uniqueness of marketing. Might yeah, be uniqueness. Be. How about uniqueness of I show up on time? 
I do what I say I'm going to do. And I love this word. I'm persistent. I think what kind of made me unique over the years and the way I grew and popularity in a sense, when we talk about brand or marketing or whatever, like was being persistent in what I did. Whatever I said I was going to do, I always tried to make sure I did it week over week, month over month, year over year. Seems basic and seems boring, but persistent actually is a form of uniqueness because there's so much chaoticness that you can see in every type of group. And there's something simple about just going, showing up, doing the work. You and I have talked about this publicly a lot. Like, But there is a little bit more to uniqueness, isn't there? I, I don't know. I I don't think there is. Not today. Hmm. Uh, I think right now, show up on time, do what you say you're going to do, look and dress professional, speak professionally, act professionally. Hey, man, if you mess something up, ring the doorbell or pick up the phone if you have a shop and say, hey, we did something, we're going to get a fix for you. It's pretty unique in today's time. I mean, we can see it all over the internet. I mean, Facebook groups are a great window into the good things and the bad things, Mm. right? The bad things are predictable. Those were the bad things 10 years ago. Those were the bad things 20 years ago. None of that's changed. Like it's just now visible through a Facebook group. We all know the good and the bad. And and it's just like we've said before, everybody knows what a healthy meal looks like and people still pull into McDonald's. We're all guilty of it. But you know what you should eat. You just don't. It's okay. The uniqueness now, I just think, is is competency. Because so many people have flooded into every business that exists is is got a mass business ownership problem, right? Where plumbers are getting flooded with more people starting a plumbing business and electricians. Everybody's wanting to start a business because the internet has pushed them that way. Be your own boss and do your own thing. And that's been a 10-year push. What comes with that is most customers have talked to somebody who's not competent. So when you speak competently, guess what happens? You come across on a whole different level. You come across extremely unique. You come across as somebody that's got their shit together. There's nothing better as a customer, and all of you have bought something, than when you walk into a restaurant, into a retail store, into whatever, when you see that that person you're talking to is competent. One of the best ways that you can experience a restaurant is not, is, to me is, is something that people misrepresent. Great service starts with that person being competent at the table, called mm-hmm. a waiter or a waitress. Mm-hmm. They just make you feel like they know what they're doing. That kitchen could be a disaster. There could be rats back there. But if that person makes you feel comfortable when taking your order and, and, and talking to you, you don't know anything about the rats. But if you think to yourself, man, this guy or gal just not really on it, you go, man, I wonder what's going on in that kitchen. But if they're on top of it, you don't ever think about that kitchen. And I think that's the differentiation right here is that if you're just confident, and I realize, man, there's a lot of guys, uh, car people that are just getting into taking in their own car, and there's detailers just getting their start. You got to find your way to competency really quickly, or it's just a really, really hard world. In in the car world, mm-hmm. it 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 becomes a, an uphill, right? In a sense, that uphill you always seem to 
the commercials that you see of people. I listen, I don't know why this popped in my head, but I was there last night watching football. There was that commercial of somebody trying to quit smoking and they're climbing up yeah. this mountain of cigarette buds. And I, I put myself into that when I saw it, not from the quit smoking part of just, wow, how hard that could be trying to climb up something that's ever moving like that. Right. Like never yeah. getting a grasp on really what you're doing does create that more of a struggle, which why I think people have coined that term. I'm grinding. I'm just going to grind it out. Right. Like I really do believe that that's where that part came from. Yeah. I think you're probably right. And you don't have to grind it out. You know, there, there's a way to make this easier on yourself. Again, we talk about this a lot and it's becoming ever more evident that I think in detailing, you know, certain people aren't being listened to a YouTube channel, you know, Instagram page, podcast. We see listenership going down for a lot of people. We see interaction going down for a lot of people. So I do think people are wisening up in a slow way that I need to find credible human beings. Now, of course, that's never going to get to the level it should be. But I do think that tide's turning a little bit. We can see the statistics on who's watching what and whatever because of our back end of, of these different platforms. I think what what you have to be concerned about and what I should have been more concerned about, and you'd probably say the same thing, is you really got to find competent people to learn from. And, and that could be from afar, right? That could be a Facebook group. But again, you go into detailing Facebook group that's just there seemingly for posting and you'll see all the time, what should I charge? What should I do here? What should I? It's like, man, don't own a business if you're struggling with what to charge somebody. Like that is because when you pick up the phone, you're going to sound incompetent because you're unsure of what you're supposed to be doing. You may not even be incompetent, but you're going to sound incompetent. And you're going to look incompetent when somebody sees you online. It's like that all that stuff is important. And this goes right back to the car enthusiast. I mean, think about the position they're in. They're not even doing this every day. They just bought a nice car. They've achieved something in their life. They're really excited to start working on whatever level car that is that you leveled up to. And they don't know where to turn. And some of these guys turn to places and their car is wrecked in a couple washes. Well, so imagine being a, a car guy and you're in this group, which is why I want to go back to saying uniqueness and what you talked about talking just and being able to communicate it was sickening sickening to see what detailers wrote not only like yeah. i said i'll go back to it wrote against the guy and they can do it better or then there was the detailers that said hey i've been doing this a long time too i support the guy that and they just fall into one camp or the other nobody gave the actual owner any value of what to think about but when do we get to the point of uniqueness being and growing a market and growing yourself into a, a local area of actually talking professionally, of communicating with, it's something I'll admit I've had to learn. I've really had to do a lot better with stop doing you are and write out Y-O-U-R. I've had to learn what I'm trying to say and write it out in a better way and that I know has created uniqueness. But what would, let's all imagine for a second, if we're in this situation, we're in our local area, we see something like this happen, and let's start to think how we can make ourselves unique by providing value, maybe asking some questions, or just actually communicating also in complete sentences, 
good words and things like that. Yeah. Now, people that have been in it for a long time, they're listening to this and they're going, I also remember like you, Marshall. I remember I used to do that too. Yeah. There is this level of growth. Dude, I've made a million mistakes. Where this podcast comes from, maybe it doesn't always get said out loud. I've made a million mistakes. I'll make another million. Uh, you're just trying to get better. You're just trying to, to continue to push yourself forward. But there's a lot of people that think they've arrived. I mean, we see that a lot in social media, right? I already know everything. I mean, we've gotten word of people going to elite trainings that they got for free and standing in the corner and never learning to sand on the car. I don't, I don't need to do that. It's like, well, why'd you fly here? Right? Why, why'd you come here? Why'd you do this? Why, you know what I mean? Because they already thought they knew enough. And then they're going to go give advice on being at that training, but they didn't actually train. They didn't actually get anything out of it. They didn't put their hands on a polisher and on a sanding block and these types of things. And so I think you're in a position now where you don't realize how unique you are by just being honest about where you are. Hey, man, if you're a beginner, you don't need to do paint correction if you don't know how to do it. It's okay. If you're a car owner out there and you're like, hey, I really want to take care of my car better, start with a great car soap and move on from there. Okay? Start out with a basic interior cleaner that takes care of everything. Start there. Make sure it's safe. Seemingly, right, so that's really so difficult you for all of us to do. So if I'm a car guy and I'm owning a car and I'm out there cleaning my car, I actually shouldn't be unique? I should yeah, actually... It's a, much, it's, it's a different question. It's a different conversation with somebody starting in their car life. You know, car world, taking care of a car, learning the basics. You, and again, I would say this to anybody at the beginning of their detailing career, you should be trying to align with a system. Our system, whoever's system, doesn't matter. A high-quality system is what those individuals who are starting their career as a detailer or career as a car person that just wants to take care of their car better, that's not the place for unique behavior, in my opinion. You don't have enough experience to know what's unique and what's not. That's the way I see it. And it makes sense. It actually, you become a little bit more unique because when you do go to the car show and people, oh, man, look at that. Oh, your car looks a lot better than it looked like a month ago. Hmm, how are you unique then? Hmm, you're unique because your car stands out. Yeah. Why did you become unique? Because you went into a process and having somebody's system. Like, hmm, I could see that too. Yeah, a lot of detailers think they're unique because they use this car soap and then they use this wheel cleaner and, then, and, and, and all of a sudden they're going to 72 different places to buy product. That has nothing to do with being unique. Unique in the marketplace is, like you said, marketing, how you speak, showing up on time, how you carry yourself, how your team dresses, how you dress. Are you professional looking? Do you come across professionally? Are you great on the phone? Are you great at writing an email? Are you great at text communication? That's unique behavior in business. There's nothing unique about, oh, I got 52 sprays. And when I come across this, that, that, that's the wrong unique, in my opinion, especially for most people that with less than five years working on cars. And I'm talking about making money working on cars or if just you're just a beginning, you know, car enthusiast that wants to learn the basics. There, there's reputable companies that can teach you the basics. Our, our YouTube channel basically started off this year with just nothing but the basics. 
you followed that system, your car would look better than 99% of people at the car show that I've been to just by using the system. You don't, it's picking and choosing the right places to be unique. It's like this. PPF guys try to be unique by finding this overseas supplier of PPF that they got for cheaper and I've lowered my cost and I'm going to do all these great things. There's literally like two companies that make all the film in the world that all you got to do is pick up the phone and get it delivered. Why did you choose that place to be unique? It wasn't unique. It was cheap. And now you have all these cars coming back and you go, huh? Well, you know, this guy did that. It's like, no, you tried to be unique in the wrong spot in your business. Buying reputable products is not something to be unique about. Buy reputable products. Be unique in other ways. And especially if you're a car guy listening to this, trust me when I say this, you think you're going to go to somebody's website and they're going to have all these things curated for you and they're going to have it all vetted. I've talked to those individuals. They don't have it all figured out. They don't really, they're just kind of selling you some things and that's fine. That's a great business and I hope they all do well, but it's not, that's not the time to be unique when you have less than five credible years working on vehicles, trying to put 52 different detail sprays on your car it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work out. Will we ever see? And listen, what I'm hoping for is the uprising of, hey, my stuff's dialed in and yours isn't. Like from the enthusiast, that's what I'm ready for. Like oh, yeah. that becomes the unique side once that if we can get to the point of that tide turning in a sense, and we can have more cars showing up dialed in fully polished, the barrels clean. We got the windows all to every single part of that car looking great. What we should be doing that showroom, right? Like what we used to all strive for. There's where I hope we can see some more uniqueness in 2024 with our, you know, our, our car enthusiasts that use hybrid clean and are fully bought into using our system, I believe their uniqueness will begin to tie it, turn that tide. Let me get through that word in a second. So that, that's what I find be, would be awesome with the uniqueness of the car enthusiasts here. Really great discussion, Nick. Uh, I hope everybody stays cool out there. Uh, should be. <laughs> all right, we'll see you all next week. All right, guys. 